Okay, moving along. We are now in Tiferet Yisrael, Perek Gimel. We spoke about uh, human beings' natural inclination and fitness towards Torah and mitzvot. Now, what needs to be said about the Maharal is the Maharal does not like making things up. Um, that can't be said for everyone, but the Maharal doesn't like making things up. Now, making things up sounds negative. Some people like to make things up and they sound very nice and they sound like Torah ideas, and they, they are, potentially. The Maharal, does, Maharal likes to take everything from Chazal. And sometimes you'll see, sometimes you'll see you know, a, 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 a statement, a statement, a wild statement of the Maharal that you don't know where, he, where he's coming from, where he takes it from, where his ideas are coming from. And we spoke about this aspect that he seems to work through things logically. He says, and you want to ask this? Well, then I'll say that. If you want to ask this, well, then I'll say that. You want to say I'm wrong because of this? Well, what about this? And you say, wow, that, that really works out. That, that I identified immediately in learning the Maharal. But an additional aspect that he has, which I feel a lot of, or a number of Bali Machshava are, are lacking, is everything that he says, he's going to back it up with Pesukim Imam Chazal. He's going to make a statement, a philosophical statement. He's going to try to explain it to you logically. And he's also going to say, and by the way, this is not just because I'm such a logical person and so you should believe me because of my logic. You should believe me because this is shot in the following five psukim in Ma'amarei Chazal. Right? And he shows you, it's interesting, he has a, his parish on the Torah isn't really a parish on the Torah. It's a parish on Rashi on the Torah. And what he does is he, sh- he basically shows you how his ideas are fundamentally found originally within Torah and the Midrashim that speak about it. But furthermore, he'll often call people out who give answers to questions that, that, that Chazal already answered. Right? We, there's a uh, example that comes to mind. In, in Gvurot Hashem, one of the Maharal's Sfarim, he, he addresses a question which was, you know, what did Avraham or what did Klal Yisrael do wrong that we were punished with being in Mitzrayim uh, for 400, or slave for 400 years, ultimately 210 years? What did we do wrong? And he mentions that there are a number of answers to this question. Right? And he mentions the, the Ramban has an answer, and he mentions that the Ibn Ezra has an answer. Right? So he goes through the, the answers, and then he says, problem number one. Chazal asked this question, Masechet Nadarim, and they give an answer. So first of all, respect their answer, because if Chazal is giving an answer, there's something to it. And second of all, your answers aren't very good. Uh, and then he, he says, first of all, the problem is you're arguing with Chazal. Chazal already gave an answer to this question. And second of all, let me show you Pshat and Chazal's answer and tell you why it's so much better than yours. Here are the problems with, with your answers. Here are why their answers are qualitatively better than yours. But he, it's, it's a shita that he has. It's a shita that he has. If he's saying a statement about philosophy, philosophy isn't, you know, halacha, you learn from Torah. Philosophy, you think about things and say nice ideas. He says, no, 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 no. You want to talk about Jewish philosophy? That comes from Torah, that comes from Ma'amare Chazal. We don't make these things up. As I mentioned in the beginning, Maharal fundamentally doesn't believe you can make these things up because what exactly do you have in common with God such that you can perceive the way that he works naturally? What you have so much, your your human physical form can grasp the depths of God such that you can pontificate about how he works? You have nothing in common. You can only know what God tells you. End of story. And so because of that, he likes to, he shows, so he's going to make a statement. He's going to show you all that state, why that statement is logical. And he's going to show you, show you, and this is pshad in this pasuk, and this is pshad in this midrash, and pshad in this mamar chazal. 
Because this is what they mean. This is what they're talking about. And that's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a really beautiful shita, and it's going to shine light on every random midrash or gemara you've ever learned in like a different context, in like a shir or here or there. You're, now you're going to understand them. Now you're going to understand them. And this is pshat. Here are all the ideas standing behind it that Chazal are operating on. So, let's get started. We just spoke about how a person is made up of a goof and a neshama. And he says, you shouldn't have a havamina as a person who has a neshama, shouldn't have a havamina that you're a complete product. That you're a neshama. Your neshama comes from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. In which case, I can sit all day, do absolutely nothing, nothing of any significance, nothing of any value. At the end of the day, I'm still a neshama. And a neshama comes from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Wonderful. You know, I'm, I am what I am. I am what I'm supposed to be. Nothing I do or don't do changes the fact that I'm a neshama, that I have a neshama. It's a part of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. He says, you shouldn't think that. He says, let's walk through the Havamina. Kishbarfu gave me a chalak of him. I can do nothing. And the fact that he created me as such a high status, a spiritual being, with an ashama tahora, with a lave tahor, right? The, that will always be the case. That will always be the case. So I can do nothing. I'm still in the Shema Tahora. Kodesh Baruch Hu created me by Madrega. No matter what I do. I, I can't be less than that Madrega, right? That's how I was created. You shouldn't think that. Here's where you're making a mistake. Let's walk through your mistake here. You think that you exist in your complete form, let's say. That you are, here's how I want to formulate it. I was thinking about this beforehand. You are everything you could be. Why? Because things that are from Shemaim are everything they could be. They're in their final evolution. They are everything they could be. You can call them perfect, but I, I, I prefer this formulation. An angel cannot be anything more than it is and it already is everything that it can be. There's no development. A malach is a malach. It can't be any worse. It can't be any greater. It's, it's important. It's powerful. It's significant. It's a shale- it is what it is. But it is already in its, from its outset everything that it could possibly be. And you might want to say, I'm a bal nefesh. I have an ashama. That neshama is from Shemaim. And therefore, because it's from Shemaim, I am everything I could be. I am my madrega. I don't have to do anything. That's, that's, it's a reasonable havamina. You have a neshama, and the neshama comes from Shemaim. Maybe you're everything you can be. Everything in Shemaim is everything it can be. It's no work. You have a neshama. About tachtonim shem ba'alei chomer enam befoa. Right? 
ההפרש שיש בין אדם ובין כל הנמצאים, בתחנונים ועליונים. So what's the problem? The problem is, while you have a neshama that is mishamayim, and anything from mishamayim is everything that it could be, everything from earth, as we spoke about in the past, is deficient. It's lacking. Not just that it's lacking, it is definitively lacking. It is, it is lacking in nature, it never can't be lacking. Because the very definition of something being natural means it's deficient. In which case, you are this unique contradiction. Right? A synthesis of two opposing ideas. Shemaim, which is already everything that it could be. And Aretz, which is deficient. And that contradiction creates the uniqueness of human beings, says the Maharal. What's up in Shemaim is everything it could be, and there's no need for actualizing something that isn't already there. And what's of a natural product on this earth? Oh, well, it's not perfect. It's not everything it could be. But it also can't change. It doesn't have the power to change. So what's in Shemaim doesn't change because it's already everything it could be and it never will be anything less or more. And what's on the Aretz can't change, not because it's already everything that it could be, but because by very nature it can't change. And so what is human being? What is the unique nature of a human being? A person is deficient a person is deficient, that exact shirt. A person is deficient, but is changing. And that's the brilliance of a person. A person is not already everything that they could be, but they have the power to make themselves more than they are. So what defines a human being is one word. One word. Potential. Something unique. Technically, something, something spiritual can't have potential because it already is what it could be. Something physical, it has potential use, but it has no means of extracting it for itself because it can't change. It'll always be what it is. A human being is not everything they could be, but could make themselves into more than they are. And that's the resolution of the contradiction. Because in the fact that a human being has an ashama, so it should have everything, it should be perfect. It does have everything. It just doesn't have everything before. It has everything, what the Maharal calls, bikach. It's not actually there, it's there in potential. Because it's an ashama, so it's perfect. So it needs to have everything. Oh, but it's a goof, so it's deficient, so it can't have everything. Oh, so it has everything, just not in actuality, only in potential. That is the resolution of the contradiction of our existence. Potential. Human beings are raw potential. We could be more than we are, but we are not everything we could be. And yet, we all exist as 
walking potentials for what we ideally could be. Um, debating whether I want to bring this up. Debating whether I want to bring this up. I want to bring it up? Okay, I was very shocked to hear an identical idea presented by Jordan Peterson, for those familiar. Almost identical in a biological sense. Because that's, he speaks about DNA basically as being born with your entire uh, biological potential already inherent in the existence that you are. Everything that you will ever be is a function of everything that you were when you were born, just in potential. And that reminded me so much of the Gemara in Nida, or is it Aflamet, I think, right? That you learn all of the Torah in your mother's womb, but then the Malach comes and makes you forget it, right? I, I, I think that's the idea. You're taught when you are, before you are born, everything you will ever know so that you'll be born with, the, with, 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 with almost a predetermined potential for everything that you could ever be. And I think the Maharal speaks about this not from a biological perspective, but from a spiritual perspective, as this is the resolution between the two contradictory beings that, uh, that, that we are. Okay. Here goes, here's where it gets Kishmak. Ready? He says, the name is a reflection of what a human being is. We are Adam. Now, what's, why are we called Adam? Because we're from Adama. Says the Maharal, what, aren't, aren't all creations from the earth also? Aren't all creations originally from the dirt, from the earth? Why are we the only ones called Adama? He says, because we're similar to Adama. You look at dirt, right? And what do you see? You see nothing. It's dirt, literally, right? It's, 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 it's a nothing. And yet, look at nature. Forests, trees, plants. How much sprouts from earth that cannot sprout from anything else, right? The most, the most you know, complex uh, elements, materials in the world cannot produce from them what the earth can produce. Why? Because the earth is rich with the vitamins and minerals needed to produce literally everything we need in this world, for that matter. Trees and plants and you know, food and sustenance and oxygen and medicine, everything exists in the earth, but the earth itself gives you almost nothing. But in the earth is everything we need for existence. Where is that in the earth? Bring, you know, take earth. Try to make oxygen out of it. Try to make food out of it. You can't. But deep down, on a molecular level, exists the vitamins and minerals within the earth that produces literally everything we need for existence. Earth is, in a physical sense, one word. Potential. And we are, in a spiritual sense, potential. And that is why Adam is called Adam, because we are like the Adama, because we are both raw potential. We're born as everything that we'll ever need, but nothing is going to be revealed on its own. It's all there, but we need to bring it into reality. 
And that is why, explains the Maharal, he says, how do I know this? He says, first of all, yeah, the name's a good raya. The name's a good raya. But that's also why spiritual perfection and development is referred to by a very weird, interesting word. Pre. Fruit. Spiritual development and perfection is called fruit. Really? Fruit, makesher. Torah, mitzvah, you're tzaddik, wonderful. That's fruit right there. Why? Because the executed potential of earth is fruit. And therefore, the executed potential of Adam is also called fruit. Wonderful thesis. How do you know? Well, the Maharal gets quoting. Right? He says as follows. Right? The, 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 the perfection, the merit that is awarded to a tzaddik, Yishayahu calls a fruit. Right? Tzaddik kitov ki prima alehem. Yishayahu calls our spiritual perfection a fruit. Why would he call spiritual perfection a fruit? Because a pri is the actualization of the potential of Adama, and, and spiritual perfection is the actual, uh, actualization of the potential of Adam. It's that simple. But as a stop there, we have another raya for this. Two places in Kedushin and in Sota, we have the following strange lashon. By Egla Arufa, right, where we, uh, we cut off the head of, a, of, an, of an egel, of a calf, from the back of its head, to atone for uh, you know, a, a person uh, who, was, uh, who was killed. We don't know who his murderer was. We don't know whose responsibility it is. So we, we perform the Egla Arufa. And the parak says as follows, V'horidu et Egla el Nachaletan. Why do you bring an Egla al Rufa to a river to kill it? So we take something that's never had Peirot, never had fruit. What does that mean? He's never had children because he's an Egla, he's a calf, he's young, right? And you bring it to a place that doesn't produce perot, a nachal, a river, to atone for the death of someone who won't have the opportunity to have perot. Okay, well, what does perot mean? My perot. What does perot mean? Ilema piri of Arabia. Say, it's having children. A man doesn't have children. Azakein v'asaris. Hachanami delor finan. Ela mitzvah. Okay, well then, what about a zake? What about a, 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 a sarif? Right? A, you know, a, a, an, an old person or, a, uh, or, or, or someone who's, who's castrated, right? Who, who cannot have children, right? What do you say about them? Rather, no, we're not talking about someone who didn't have the opportunity, who never had the opportunity to produce payroll, rather, to, to have kids, rather, we're saying something more universal that can apply to everyone. Someone who didn't have the opportunity to 
do mitzvot. Someone who didn't have the opportunity to do mitzvot. Right? Because Zakin and Asaris can't have kids. Right? You're either too old or you're, uh, or you're castrated, you can't have kids. So, so we're, 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 we're excluding them from this din. But everyone could have done mitzvot. And that's why Pshat in the Gemara is that pre here is a reference to mitzvot. And particularly, someone who did not have the opportunity to perform mitzvot is called someone who didn't have the opportunity to produce peyrot. Again, why do we call it peyrot? Because we're like Adama. Adama produces peyrot. It's the actualization of its potential. Mitzvot are the actualization of our potential. Okay. Furthermore, it's not just the name Adam that is a reflection of, in essence, who we are. Rather, even animals, the name is a reflection of what they are. Right? This is Gishmak. What's, what's an animal? How do you call an animal? A behema. Al lashon ba ma. What you see is what you get. Ba, what's in it? Betocha, what's in it? Ma. Is all it is. That's all it is. That's all it'll ever be. You're looking at? Everything you're looking at is everything it will ever be. That's ba, ma. It'll never be anything more. Now, an angel will also never be anything more. That's the way it's created. An animal will never be anything more, not because it has the perfect status of an angel, but because it has no opportunity to change itself. Ba-ma. Omnam. Says the Maharal something very interesting here. He says, okay, what do we do? Oh, difficult theological issue. Someone who didn't have the opportunity... We start off with the premise that you can't just sit back and rely on your madrega to carry you to Shemayim because you're a neshama. No, no, no. Your raw potential, you need to actualize. What do you do with someone who was never given the opportunity to actualize their potential? They died young. They were honest. Tinuk Chinishba. Right? Tinuk Chinishba didn't know what Torah was. They never were given the opportunity to actualize your potential. That's all your question. Yeah, on the assumption of uh, beginning to go up isolation on the hate and the model, I didn't do anything about the hate. Oh. You're already mechab. Next question of the Maharal is. Ah, oh, that's it's not exactly the next question. It's not exactly the next question. Right? It's not exactly the next question. The idea but but it's 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 similar. It's similar. If it so doesn't answer your question, we'll go back and talk about it. It's similar. He says, what do you do with someone who dies too early to actually achieve their goal or to even ever have this opportunity? He says, that's not Akasha. Now, this isn't the primary place that he talks about it, so he kind of just mentions it, the Katsar, and then goes on. But he says, if, you, if you're going to do a mitzvah, if you're going to do a mitzvah, you want to do a mitzvah. You're fit to do a mitzvah. Then you already get schar from it. But what if you die before you could ever do any mitzvah? Says Maharal. Well, we give you the schar as if you did it. Well, that's kind of odd because we just said you can't just do nothing. You can't just do nothing. 
How you you're gonna do nothing and get Olam Haba? You died too young, fine, you didn't have the opportunity to. I get it, but you still didn't do anything. Why does that change? Because the deficiency was Mitzad Hakuf. You didn't lack you didn't lack the performance of the mitzvah mitzad ha-neshama. And again, the neshama is perfect. The neshama is perfect, and it only has to work on itself once it's in the goof. That's when perfection turns into potential. When perfection meets imperfection, and it synthesizes, you have something called potential. Where it's not perfect, but it could be. So says the Ma'aral, when where you lack in your performance is mitzad ha-goof, and not mitzad ha-neshama, that's when you get the schar of the neshama. It's only when you're together and you're deficient, both in the goof and the neshama, that we take away your schar. But if you're not deficient in the realms of the neshama and you're only deficient in the realms of the goof, then you get the neshama, then you get the schar that the neshama would have gotten. What does that mean? Second, what does that mean? Let's talk this out. What does that mean? That means if you die too early, it wasn't that you weren't spiritually fit, and it wasn't that you were gonna, not going to do any mitzvot. It's that your goof prevented you from doing mitzvot. Similarly, if you try to do a mitzvot, and you do not have the capacity to, for some reason or another, you tried your best, you don't have the capacity to, then we're not going to punish you. Because the deficiency was mitzad ha-goof, but your neshama is perfect. It's only when you introduce deficiency mitzad ha-neshama that you get punished. Right? And how do we know that to be the case? Because you're only punished by doing something b'mezid. If you do it b'shogeg or b'ones, you're not punished. Why? You did it. You did something wrong. I don't care that you didn't have kavana. You did something wrong. Or you just didn't do something right. No, it's because... Doing something amazing is a chet, not just with your body. Who cares about what your body did? Doing something amazing is, 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 an, oh, is a chet with your dot. You intended to do something wrong. Your dot is your seichel elion. That's your spiritual tie. It's the most spiritual part about you. It is the divine intellect that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you. You're using the most def- divine characteristic that you have control over to do a chet. In Avera, now you're sinning with your neshama. And that's why you're punished. But if you're only sinning with your guf and not your neshama, like if you're ones, or if you never had the opportunity to do mitzvah, or if you totally lacked kavana, it's not a sin with your neshama. And your neshama is perfect. So sure, when your neshama and your guf get together, so you're not perfect, you're just potential. But if we totally isolate the guf, then we're left with a neshama. And we give you the reward that's way to go to a neshama like yours. Even though you didn't have the opportunity to actualize it. Because the goof forces you to actualize something. But the goof isn't involved here, it's only the neshama. And he goes on and says as follows. Right? It's, 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 it's a mafurish... Again, Maharal doesn't make things up. He says it's a mafurish gemara. The gemara and bracha. Chasha chishev lasso mitzvah. You wanted to do a mitzvah. You have a reward, you get schar, as if you actually did the mitzvah. Why? You didn't do it. 
Who benefited? Who did you help? You thought to give tzedakah, you didn't. The man, the homeless man has no more money. It doesn't benefit from you. Yeah, but you get this car as if you gave it. Because mitzad hanashama, everything was there. It was only mitzad aguf that it was lacking. And that's pshat in the Gemara. Similarly, based on taking this whole understanding of the essence of man being potential, we have the Gemara in Perakachelech. The Gemara in Perakachelech just tells you perfectly, in explicit words, man is endless potential. How? Adam le'amal yoled. It's not from Sanhedrin, it's possible. Adam le'amal yoled. Amar Rabbi Eliezer, ein imlam imlam Okay, a person is made for toil. First and foremost, what's the difference between amal, amelut, and melacha? Work and work, work and work. Why amal? What's amelut? Yeah. Ah, the malach is only the goof and toil and the neshama. And at least in the havamina, we're going to see that, that, that a melut at least could be in the goof. A melut is the reason I'm translating this toil. Yeah. Oh. I don't know which one you were saying that on. That's the right chiluk. I'm just not yet. I would say the opposite. Malacha. Malacha is you need a result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what you're saying? Okay. Right, right. A malacha is, 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 a, is a specific work. Building something is a malacha because the building is the product. Right? A melut is toil. It's endless in its nature. There's no specific end point here. It's just work. Constant work. Which is this weird contradiction because you're always productive but never completing anything. Potential. The ability to always be growing and productive without ever having a finished product. That's potential. Yeah. Would that be connected to Shabbos Interesting, yeah. Well, Malacha is what's Asar on Shabbat, right? And because the, 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 the idea is that Akadosh Baruch Hu, not only that Akadosh Baruch Hu didn't just rest on Shabbat, Akadosh Baruch Hu created the idea of rest on Shabbat. It was, it was, it was seven days of creation. Because rest didn't exist before, before Shabbat. All that existed beforehand was a melut, constant toil. Shabbat is the Chiddush that there is an end point. And that's why it's Malacha that's Asar on Shabbat. Because that is work with an end point. A melut is work with no end point. That's why we don't say a melut is Asr on Shabbat. Right? So, the, the Gemara goes on to say, okay, a person is made to toil. Constant work. Constant work. That's what a person is made for. The Eidiyodea im la'amal peh im la'amal malacha. But I don't know if that means physical endeavors, physical work, or, or a melut peh. A melut pet, toil of the mouth. What's toil of the mouth? I don't know. Kshehu omer nefesh amla mela lo ki akafalav pihu abe omer la mel pet. But when we say in the pasuk, it links the the nefesh of a person with a melut pet. So I understand that we're talking about the toil of the mouth. I don't know what that means. 
the toil of the body. But that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about a person wasn't created for physical toil. A f- person was created for verbal toil. Verbal toil. Does that mean through learning Torah? Or does that mean through talking, through speech? But when he says that your mouth, you should, that, that the Sefer Torah should always be in your pet, in your mouth, I understand that it's it's, it's, it's for Torah. That it's not just Stam Sichot Betelot, that it's for verbal toil in the realms of Talmud Torah. So what does this mean? Explains the Maharal that there are three ways that you can differentiate a human being from other animals. As we started, Malacha is something that's uniquely human. So much so that we had a Havamina in the first year that maybe that's why we were created. Because thought out work is not something animals can do. So maybe, maybe, sure, we were created for what? Actualization of potential. That's, that's our working definition of Amelut, according to the Maharal. We were created for actualization of potential. In what realms? Meaning, how unique is our responsibility to actualize potential. Is it a function of our physical distinctions from animals? We can both work with our goof, but we can be more productive with it. Maybe we were created... See, we have to be different from the animals. So maybe we were created to toil and be different in the area of physical malacha. To be a little bit better than the animals but completely in the realms of physical endeavors. Oh, but that's when we introduce the idea of the pet. Now, why is pet significant? Because what is a higher level distinction between human beings and animals? Speech. No, so maybe we're created to use our speech to bring about our, our own perfection, to, tran- to, to translate potential into actualization. Meaning maybe our, maybe our very essence is even more removed from the essence of animals. To use our speech to perfect ourselves. You could say maybe we were created to use our physical means to perfect ourselves. Still better than the animals because they can't. But no, that's not the case. Well, maybe we were created to use our speech to perfect ourselves. Our language our communication to perfect ourselves, even better and even more different from the animals. Still, that's not enough. From what I learned from Lo Yamush, the essence of the value of our speech is Torah. In which case, I learned that we were created to use Talmud Torah to actualize our potential. That is what the Gemara and Sanhedrin learns. We know that human beings were created to actualize potential. That is what amelut means. Constant work. Constant. Bring things from potential into existence. That's what amelut is. It exists in potential. You see it in your mind. It could be. This, this, this clay could be a pot. This stone could be a building. Now bring it into actualization. 
And the constant form of that would be toil, because it's not for one, any one product. So human beings were definitely created for actualization of potential. But how lofty is that purpose? Maybe it's for a physical actualization of potential. But then we bring a pasuk to say it's not physical, it's through speech. Okay, then maybe it's a human actualization of, of potential. Then we bring in the pasuk that links the Torah to our speech and know that the essence of our speech is from Talmud Torah. And then I realize that, the, that human beings were created in essence for the actualization of potential only in the realms of Torah. We were created to use Torah to actualize our potential through Talmud Torah. By the way, the Maharal believes that Talmud Torah needs to be through speech. Needs to be through speech, not even the mitzvah of Talmud Torah if you're not speaking. And uh, you, you, you don't need to make a birkat Torah if you're not going to say it out loud. And he has a, a ton of thought behind that idea. Not how we generally pass in the halacha. But he's consistent. And he has a tremendous amount of thought behind that idea. So it's speech in Torah. Speech in Torah is used to actualize our potential. And then he goes on to say, and don't think that you can ever be sated. Meaning, what is a meluk? It's constant work with no rest. Yes, because you are constant development with no end result. How are you constant work with no end result? Well, because as long as you're human, you're deficient, right? In which case, there's never an end product. So you can always work. But I know what you're going to say. But what about mitzad haneshama? The neshama is shayach el ashleimut. The neshama can be perfect. How is it that I can do so much Torah and mitzvot and not become shalei, not become complete? I understand the goof will always be deficient. But will the neshama, the neshama will never be completed by all the Torah and mitzvot that I'm doing? Says the Maharal, no, it won't be. Why? So he brings in uh, Kohelet Rabbah. Gam ha-nefesh lo timale. The, the nefesh, the neshama, it'll never be filled up. Never, it'll never be sated with what you do. Because the, the nefesh, the nefesh knows what, perfe- what the nefesh knows what perfection looks like. The nefesh is beyond this world. It's not even shayach here. And then we bring in a famous mashal that I'm sure many of us are familiar with. Rabbi Levi, Amar Rabbi Levi, Mashal Ironi Shayan Nasui Bat Melachim. Right? A, a, a city dweller, in, an urbanite, who was married to a Bat Melech, a princess. He can give her everything, everything in the world. And she's not going to be sated. Let's be clear, he can give her. Everything even fit for her. He can, he can bring food from the palace and give it to her. But she's never going to be sated. Why? Because etzim achibur is a problem. It's not rowing. The very bond that ties them is a contradiction. They're not shyach to each other. The ben ear. And the Bat Melech. He can bring her everything. But at a certain point, it doesn't matter what she's receiving. It matters who, 
the, 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 the essence of the bond between them, which is not fitting. She is fit for something more than he is. No matter what he gives her, it's not going to resolve the problem that the deficiency isn't in what he's giving. The deficiency is in the nature of the connection, that he is not, that he is not fit. And the nature of the connection between the neshama and the goof is not a fitting connection. We can give the neshama all the Torah and mitzvot that it wants, it's just never going to be satisfied. Why? Because it's with a goof that it's not fit for. It's, it's, it's made of greater stuff. It's a higher being. The goof is just never going to be able to give what the neshama needs. You can give it all the Torah and mitzvot it wants, but it will never not be thirsty. It will never be sated. Because the nature of the connection itself is lacking, it's not fit for the neshama. In which case, you can work your entire life. Do Torah and mitzvot your entire life. Try to complete yourself your entire life. And you'll always be productive, but you'll never be perfect. Because the nature of the goof is not to be perfect, and the nature of the neshama needs more than what the goof has to offer it. So, we're a creation that's defined by potential. Never-ending potential. Constant productivity, with no possibility of shleimut, until the neshama is reunited with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, in Shemayim, in a kesher that's fit for it, in its very essence. Then it can be shalim. In this world, it can never be shalim. So your malacha, or rather your amelut, will never run out. Your constant potential, constant productivity. You'll always have the potential to be more than you are. But you'll never be everything that you could be. That is the very essence of man. Stop here.